on your feet a moment. And uh, come on, just lift your hands in this place this morning. God's doing so much already. And uh, hey, I just really believe in that God is just going to do something extraordinary this morning. Just lift your hands this morning. I really believe in just showing our openness to God. And Father, I pray this morning. Father, I pray for your spirit to be here, for your presence, Lord, because where your presence is, there is power. And Father, I pray power to change lives this morning. Father, I pray whatever the needs are of your people, Lord, you're more than able in this moment, Lord. Father, I believe in the power of moments, in this moment, to touch and transform people. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And everybody said... Oh man, you may take your seats this morning. And uh, I just love Judith. I was just wondering who she was going to be tomorrow, if she was Judith today, who's she tomorrow, uh, and all of that. And uh, I can see everybody's eyes slowly moving up to come to my eye level. And if you think I'm tall, I've got two boys and uh, a girl, and my boys are both taller than me. Uh, more handsome, more good looking, more thin. Than, uh, than myself. Hey, it's such a pleasure to be here. I know your pastors very well and we love them and we bring all of our love to you from Life City down in London and uh, we've had Pastor Paul a number of times. He's been absolutely awesome when he come down. Our people love him. They still remember God's got a plan. When you, the plan works, work the plan. And uh, they say that to me all the time and I say, all right, give it a rest. That's enough now. Uh, <laughs> and all of that. Uh, loved your worship. Hey, and uh, just let's give it up to the team. So good. And, um, you know, I, I, I think so often the people who serve in church, um, you know, especially from the platform, everybody thinks, oh, it's just a worship team. Uh, I think we should never take for granted anything that anybody brings. You know, we're a body and we come together. And it's what everybody brings. Amen. And uh, I've got a word this morning, and I hope it's going to bless you. Uh, if you're going to be here tonight at six, is it? i got a word for you then called Burning Hearts. Uh, if you're going to be around for that, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, but I want to take you to a scripture this morning uh, in 3 John 2. And you will know this scripture. You'll have heard it many times and people have spoken on it and all of that kind of stuff. But um, during the pandemic and towards the end of that, I really felt God speak to me, um, not only about my life, but just about the life of our church and where we were. And he took me to this verse and I want to read it to you and it'll come up on the screens I would suspect. 3 John 2 says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. If you read it from the Amplified it says, Beloved. I love that. Beloved. We don't have enough beloving going on I think today. Uh, maybe next time you do a WhatsApp message or an or a instant to somebody, start it with Beloved. I mean, that's good, you know, and uh, beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. And this is John, the Apostle John, who was writing to his best mate Gaius, and he's wishing this stuff upon him. Uh, I don't know about you, I mean, when's the last time you had an encouraging message from somebody? Somebody just sent you something saying, hey, thinking about you, praying for you. Uh, I don't think we do enough of that stuff in life. Uh, I don't know about you, but the last two and a half years for many people has been a major struggle. Is that right? Uh, you're probably looking at the moment of the political scene and thinking, uh, who did we vote for? I'm not sure. You know, we voted for this or whatever. But I want to tell you 
that no matter what's going on, yeah, God always has a way out for us. Uh, no matter what is happening, God always prepares a way. He leads us in triumphal procession. And no snare of the fowler can ever hold your life back and my life back for those of us who are in Christ. Amen. Uh, you can get excited this morning. That's fine. You like to whoop and shout and clap a bit. That's what Paul tells me how that you're, a, you're a on it church. And, and so it's interesting that what John says here, he says, I want you to prosper. And so my message today is called Prosper. And it's interesting when you look at that word about what it means. You know, if you go to a dictionary, go to Cambridge or a Merriam-Webster's or whatever it is, it'll give you one definition. But, you know, that's not what the Bible means so often with the words that it uses. And this word prosper here literally means to have a good or profitable or fruitful journey. And I don't know about you, but our Christian life is meant to be a journey. We're meant to be going from one place to a new place in God. God's not stagnant. He isn't keeping you and me in one place. He's looking for your life to develop. He didn't give us the Holy Spirit so that we could lead mediocre lives. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we would stand out, so that we would shine, so we could be salt. Come on, like there would be something about your life and my life that would make a difference, that would transform the people around us. And so John's saying, hey, I want your life to prosper. I want you to be in physical health. And I know you look at me right now and thinking, hey, he looks after himself, doesn't he? <laughs> I tell you, I go to the gym every day and it's a slog because all I can think about is the cup of coffee I'm going to have when I get back. People say, that swimming must be great. You know, all that thinking time and all I can ever think is 40, 39, 38. But he, he says, I want you to be in physical health. But more importantly, I want you to be in health in your soul. Yeah, I want your soul to spiritually be in health. It sounds weird, doesn't it? You know, your soul to be spiritually healthy. And yet this is something that's on John's heart for his friend Gaius. See, God wants the best for you and I. I absolutely believe that. You know, sometimes we can look around and think, well, where is the best? I've thought that from time to time in my life. Well, where is the best? I don't feel I've, I've seen it yet. And that's because sometimes what my eyes are looking at is the immediate. And sometimes I need to lift my eyes off the immediate. And I need to look to the new horizon because there's always a new horizon with God. Can anybody agree with me this morning? And God wants the best for you spiritually, materially, physically, emotionally, and relationally. And it's today, that's kind of what I want to talk about. I want to talk about emotional health today. I want to talk about your emotional well-being and my emotional well-being because I think it's something that we in church don't often talk about. I don't think we do it too well. We're, we're too busy with the declarations and the stand in faith. And so although that's important, I totally believe it's faith that moves the hand of God. It's not need, but so often we don't know somehow to address some of this stuff in church. And yet here is John and he's saying, I want you to prosper in your soul. And I think every one of us needs to prosper in our soul. The World Health Organization said this, that one in four worldwide experienced mental health issues. 10 million people last year in the UK were diagnosed with a mental health issue. And yet we haven't done too well, I think, in preaching about it, because I think for many people, and maybe you've been there, I know I've been there, that we feel the stigma of it. And it's interesting, I thought, well, what is stigma? What, what is stigma? So I went and looked it up, because I'm a good Christian boy, and went and looked it up and realized that the word stigma literally means slaver's mark. So when we have a stigma about something, if we feel disgraced about something, or we feel disillusioned 
that makes us feel less about ourselves or we have anxieties or worries, we can carry the stigma of that and it's almost like a mark that is over our lives spiritually that the enemy loves yeah, to remind us of. The enemy wants you and I to feel that we are less than God created us to be, that we are less than God wants us to walk in. Yeah, and so there's a stigma so often that Christians find themselves with because of the stuff that's happening around their lives, but they don't want to talk about it in church because they think, what will people say? Because we're wearing our best face sometimes on a Sunday. You know, we're doing game face and we're in and doing all that kind of stuff. And that's because I think we've not always had the right language to know what to talk about. 20 years ago, if you were feeling a bit down, people would say, I'll just push on through, mate. Because I come from a little bit further up the north than you guys. I come from a place called Barnard Castle. Anybody heard of that? Oh, Barney. And well, I used to talk more like this, but now I talk more like this. That's 30, 35 years in London. I swore I'd never go there. I spent most of my life there. So we say things sometimes like, hey, learn to trust God. Have faith for your breakthrough. And that's great. And I believe in the power of declaration. But if you're struggling sometimes with your emotional well-being or you're struggling in your mental health, sometimes you might think, well, hey, my mental health issues or my emotional well-being, are you trying to say I don't have enough faith or I don't trust God enough? And sometimes we're not saying those things, but we're feeling those things and we're thinking those things and we're carrying them out of the door on a Sunday because sometimes we don't have the right language to know exactly what to say. And what I love about Jesus, when you look at his life, he always knew how to speak to anyone. He had this incredible ability to speak truth and yet bring grace to people's lives. And I want to be able to speak truth yeah, into my church. And I'm sure your pastors want to speak truth into your church. But we want to do it with a grace that sets people free and lifts them up and builds them. And strengthens them and encourages them. And doesn't make them go out the door and think, hey, what was that all about today? And so I think when we come back to this idea of prospering, yeah, we are on a journey, you and I, together today. And I want you to go out the door today feeling prospered. Feeling like you've moved from somewhere today that you came in one way, but you're leaving another way. That you came in knowing God one way, but you know him deeper and stronger in your life. That you're carrying something a little bit richer when you leave today. Because that's what God's heart is, amen? It's quite interesting that I sometimes think about this whole idea that we are tripart beings, aren't we? Well, you may think you are or not. We are spirit, soul, and body. We're created in the image of God, and that's a spiritual image. God is spirit, and we're created in that image. And God, we're here, we read in Genesis, formed from the dust of the earth a body, breathed life into Adam. You know, Yoda said to Luke on Dagobah, we are more than this crude material. We are luminous beings, he said. Well, he was kind of right. We are spirit people, amen. And so there's the spiritual part of us, our eternal part, the bit that connects us to God. And that's the bit that is eternal. Our bodies will eventually crumble and weary and go. But while we are here on this planet, yeah, we operate with our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And they're important. You know, sometimes I say to people, what is it? You used to be so much funner than you became a Christian. What happened to your personality? It's like we feel that we've got to be a certain way. No, God created you unique. Every one of us is unique. You've got a USP about you. And never stop being you. But just let the Holy Spirit make you more Christ-like on the inside because we live our lives from the inside outwards. What God is doing on the inside, yeah, eventually transforms us on the outside. 
I remember a friend of mine in sixth form, and I remember witnessing to him one day. He went home that night, and he gave his life to the Lord. He came in the next day, and everybody looked at him and said, hey, what's, what's up with you? And he kind of said, what do you mean? They could see a change. He hadn't changed his hair, and changed his clothes, but they could see a change. And what people see in you and I is not the clothes that we wear. It's not the style of hair that we have. It's Christ in us, amen, the hope of glory. That's what they see. And that's what needs to flow out of us like a river, amen, because that's what the Bible talks about. And so we've got to get to this place of realizing that our soul is important. You can't ignore it. When I was a young Christian, if I listened to music that wasn't Christian music, and in my day, all I had to listen to was Amy Grant. And some of you are going, who's she? Exactly. Until I found a band called the Resurrection Band. Praise God. That's all I had to listen to because they would say, if you're listening to worldly music, that's soulish. If you watch stuff on the TV that you know, wasn't quite right, that was soulish. But what I find is the Bible talks so much about my soul. Psalm 23, yeah, it's all about yeah, my soul and how he makes me lie down and makes me rest, how he comforts me, how he's with me in the tough times. And, and oh, praise my soul. There's something that flows out of us, and our souls need to be healthy. Your mind, your will, your emotional life needs to be healthy. And I think the Bible has a lot to say about it, and so often we don't go yeah, and look at that because we're too busy reading the latest TikTok or the latest Insta, you know, thinking, why can't my life be like that, comparing to things that are just not real. You know, I say to our young people all the time, social media is good, but if it's ruining your life, it's ruining your life. If it's running your life, it's ruining your life because what's on there is so fake. It's so not true. And yet, if you want the truth, then you've got to go to the Word because God's Word is the Word that sets you free. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And that's what we've got to get into. Sometimes we wonder why we don't know anything because we're not feeding ourselves with anything. Sometimes we wonder why our emotional life yeah, seems so weak and we're struggling because we don't have enough Word in there. The Bible says in John 15 that it's the Spirit who will bring to your remembrance the Word. Well, if there's no Word in you, it's difficult to bring that to your remembrance. So you've got to get this Word into you, and I don't care how you do it. Do you know, if you go onto version now and just click that little microphone, it will just speak it to you. I have people in my church who are illiterate. They grew up with the stigma of that. They grew up thinking less of themselves because they couldn't read. They say, I can't read the Bible. And I remember saying, why? Said, I can't. I can't read. I said, great, just hit this button. It'll speak it to you. You can get the word of God into you somehow. Amen? Spurgeon said this. He said, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. See, an awareness or a lack of awareness can sometimes cause us to find ourselves in emotional places that we never thought we would be. Have you ever ended up somewhere and think, how did I get here? Is it just me this morning? You're in those places think, how did I get here? And even worse, have you ever had that one you go, how did I get here again? <laughs> here I am again. It's like, did I not learn the first time? So I looked at some of the emotional and mental health. I got a lot of doctors in my church. So I went and had a little talk to them. And they said, well, we'll give you some of the most common ones. Uncontrolled anger, anxiety, depression, disorders, loneliness. That's a big one today. We had a lady in our church who spent two and a half years in her house because of autoimmune. That does a lot to somebody's emotions. 
Yeah, we were zooming her and going around, standing outside the door in the, you know, in the garden so we could talk to her. But two and a half years, wow, you know, the pandemic's had an effect on people. Maybe it's had an effect on people today. Self-esteem issues are rife among our 25 and unders. Yeah, where are you looking for your esteem? I say you've got to find it in God, amen. And so we go, well, that's got nothing to do with the Bible, Steve. Well, I want to beg to differ, au contraire. <laughs> Elijah was overwhelmed with fear. You can read that in 1 Kings. I won't say any more because I'm going back to him a little later. Jonah had major anger issues. In chapter 4, and verse 3, he says this, I'm angry enough to die, he said. Job suffered with major depression. He said in chapter 30, depression haunts my days and my bones are filled with pain. Jeremiah battled a lifetime of sadness, insecurity. Naomi was in despair because she had nothing to live for, or so she thought. And Paul had anxiety over a thorn in his flesh that he kept on wanting God to take away. I don't know about you, yeah, but I think all of us at some point are facing issues to do with our soul and our emotional well-being and our mental health. And yet God is more than aware his eyes never leave you or I. He knows you intimately from the top of your head to the tips of your toes, whatever the tips of your toes look like. He knows you. And so I want to give you a couple of things today. Is that right? Just two points I want to leave you with. Is that all right? The first one is you're not alone. Just nudge somebody and say, you're not alone. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are Christian spirit. And so I kind of want to talk about Elijah for a moment. And you may know him, he's an Old Testament prophet, and probably one of the, the guys who's pretty kicked some butt while he was alive. And the story is, he, at one point he finds himself doing battle with all of the false gods, all of the Baals. And he's gone up to a mountain called Carmel. And this is in the middle of a drought that's happening around the nation, been gone for three years. He's been by a brook, being fed by a doves and ravens. God's called him to this mountain. And he's going to sort out the people, going to sort out the nation. And so he says, right, we're going to build some altars, we're going to put some stuff on there, and we're going to call down fire. Whoever God answers by fire, yeah, that's the true God. And so as you get to go first, because he's very polite, Elijah. And so they spend all their time dancing backwards and forwards and cutting themselves and doing all sorts of rituals and nothing happens. And this goes on all day until Elijah says to the people, come near. And he gets them to pour water on the altar in the middle of a drought as an offering. And he prays and fire comes down from heaven and consumes all the offering. The people fall on their faces and know that God, the real God, is answered. All the prophets of Baal are put to death by the sword. And then... A woman, sorry ladies, called Jezebel, doesn't like Elijah. She says a few things about him, sends some guys to go and kill him. And he runs away. And we find him in the story at a place called Adullam. It's a cave. And it's interesting because a number of things happen there. And then God turns up in a small whispering voice. And we're going to pick up in verse 13 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? If there's ever a question, I think, for your life and my life about some of the places that we found ourselves, is God saying, what are you doing here? I never wanted you to be here. I never planned for you to be here. I never told you to be here. What are you doing here? 
And this is what Elijah said. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. It's amazing in the light of incredible victories yeah, and incredible highs, how quickly we can go to the lowest places. He's just run away from one of the greatest victories ever recorded in the Bible. And yet he's having a major emotional breakdown. I'm the only one left. Everybody else is dead. It's only me, God. You don't understand the pressures I'm under. You don't understand what's going on. Yeah, you don't know what my life is having to deal with. Ever felt like that? Ever prayed a prayer where you've cried out a little bit like that? Go to the Psalms and just look at some of the things they cried out. In the light of great victory and breakthroughs, we can also find our lowest emotional and mental struggles. But God's voice will always find us. A few years ago, I was laid on my bed. And I've been a pretty strong-minded person all my life. Pretty stable. And I was laid on my bed thinking, I'm going to give up leading my church. At that time, people were leaving. And I didn't know why. And I didn't know how to stop it. And I felt that my leadership was not going anywhere. And I felt that, you know, everything that should be happening wasn't happening. And so I was laid on my bed imagining ways out. Yeah, new things that I could do. Places that I could go. And right in the midst of what was probably one of the few major pity parties in my life, my phone rang. And as it rang, a voice came on of a guy who was in the movement we were part of then. And he was halfway around the world. And he said, Steve, Steve, Steve. I said, what? He said, don't give up. And I listened to it and I thought, oh yeah, that's nice. Have you ever done this as a Christian when somebody's given you a word from God and you've gone, oh, that's nice, <laughs> thanks. But really just wanted to go away and get off the phone as fast as they possibly could. And he kept saying, no, listen to me. Don't give up. And I said, that's really nice. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And put the phone down. Got up and I went downstairs and thought, well, I'd better start preparing Sunday's message. And I sat there in the kitchen. And quite often when I'm writing messages, I'll listen to other messages. And I put this message on. And it started like this. He said, to all you pastors out there who lead churches of 100 to 150 people. I thought, oh, dear. I just want to say, God said to me, as I'm recording this message, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop. And then he went further. He said, if you've been lying on your bed this morning... I thought, oh no. If you've been lying on your bed, I thought, oh Lord, don't give up. I want you to know you are not alone. In your darkest moments, in your biggest struggles, in the emotional turmoil or your mental struggles, I want you to know God is with you. He never leaves you. When you're going through the valley of death, his rod will guide you. His staff will comfort you. He is our Lord. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And I want you to know his voice will always, always find you. Amen. His voice will always come to you. It will always encourage you. It will always lift you up. It will always speak well of you. When Gideon was in the wine press because he was fearful of everything that was going on, God didn't turn up and say, oh, you big wimp. He said, hello, mighty man of valor. 
And God will call things into your life that may not be right now. You may not feel it. You may not think it. But God will speak stuff into your life because God speaks faith into your life. God will speak into your life and say, hey, come on, mighty man, mighty woman. Come on, stand up. Believe that you can do more. You are more than a conqueror. You are above and not beneath your circumstances. So there I was. And I thought, okay, better get on with it then. And sometimes it's as simple as that. The decisions that you make in your life, yeah, are what make your life. You are the sum total of the things that you decide. And when you think that something made me or something brought me here, you can look at that or you can turn around and say, I need to make a better decision. I need to come into a better place. How do we do that? We get before God. How do we do that? We find it in a place of worship. We find it in a place of prayer. We find it in a place of connection and relationship. One of the things that we miss in the body of Christ is that the one and a half hours that we do on a Sunday does not make us the community. What makes us the community is what happens on that Monday through Saturday, the small groups that we go to, the prayer meetings that we attend, the texts that we send, the phone calls that we make. That's what makes the difference. That's what makes connection. That's what builds the body when somebody's saying, hey, I just thinking about you this morning. Just thinking, just praying for you this morning. I don't know what's going on, but just praying you're going to have a great day. I make it my mission on a Sunday after church to spend at least half an hour after lunch just sending out texts to people. Hey, didn't catch it today. Hope you're well. Hope the family's well. Hey, you know, how's life with you? I heard you were struggling. Just want you to know God's with you. We're with you. We're here. Anytime, just ring us. We, the family, came into the church just about a month ago and the lady came in and she was on crutches I'd never met her before and one of my leaders who lives next to them had been witnessing to them for the last month and he said to her she's got terminal cancer I thought oh okay she came she sat down and I was preaching a particular message in this series called Prosper and I looked across at one point and she was weeping I didn't know what was going on, and I did an altar call at the end of the service, and she stood. It was really difficult for her, but she stood on the crutches, and she gave her life to the Lord. Her husband, who was not a believer, who had brought her because she wanted to come to the church because of what she'd seen in this person. He was amazed. He came back the next week, broke down in tears, stood up, gave his life to the Lord. Their daughter couldn't get over what had happened to their mum and dad that they came to church the following Sunday. Broke down in tears, stood up, gave their life to the Lord. The daughter who was at university, who had been listening to all of this and hearing all this on WhatsApp, came back from university two weeks later. Guess what? She came to the church, broke down in tears, stood up and gave her life to the Lord. And a family who had found their lowest moments together went in for a scan after we'd been praying as a church for a month, went into a scan thinking this was going to be the end for the doctors to go, we don't know what's happened, but if you look at your lung here, it all seems to have cleared, and this one seems to be clearing as well, and we don't really know why, but why? Because in your lowest moments, when you're struggling with your emotional state, when your mental health might be all over the place, God knows you, hears you, is with you. And the prayers of the righteous, the prayers of the faithful, the prayers of people who will stand up and go, Lord, we thank you for medicine, we thank you for our doctors, but when they've done everything that they know how to do, you know how to go further. 
And there's a testimony of a family who have come to Christ at their lowest moment. Why? Because God will always find you. God will always speak into your situation. Amen. Is that good? And I want to just give you, as we just close today, this second point, that God is able. If you're never going to be alone because he'll always find you, his voice will always turn up. You want to know also that he is more than able. He can do immeasurably more than you ask or think or dream. I don't know about you, I can think of a lot of things and God could go beyond that. And the things that I'm not even thinking about that I will think about, God can go further than that. Because he is more than able. He can keep us from falling. He can enable us to stand. He can build us up. He can subdue all things. He can do more than we know. He can comfort us when we're at our lowest. He can provide strength when we are weak. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up yeah, with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow faint. They shall walk. Amen. God is more than able. Now, I don't know what your situation is today. I don't know what you're facing, what you may have been going through in your week. But I want to tell you this. There's a guy called Paul in the New Testament. He was the guy who stood and watched Stephen be stoned, who came to faith on the Damascus Road, whose name was Saul, and he became Paul, and he moved from being the church, the church's greatest enemy, to the church's greatest missionary. And yet, he could say, he said, I know what it is to suffer. I know what it is to be abandoned and abused. I know what it is to be shipwrecked. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to be hunted for my life. I know what it is to be in prison. I know what it is to be whipped and beaten. I've spent many a night at sea. I've spent many a time freezing and hungry. And yet this was the same guy who wrote, I know that God can work all things for my good because I love him. And I want to tell you today, why don't we stand to our feet this morning? The musicians can come back. I want to tell you, wherever you are today, whatever you've been facing, whatever has been your struggle, wherever you may be, whatever stigma you may feel you have faced or are facing, you're not alone. God is more than able. And if I was to take a little adage from a friend of mine called Spock, where he says to many people, what I want is I want you to live long and prosper. That's my heart, and it's not his, it's God's. That God wants you to live long and to prosper. And I want to just take a moment right now yeah, for God to touch your heart and your life. If you're here today and you just kind of identify with anything that I've said this morning. If you can think, yeah, that's me. I, I've struggled with the stigma of a situation, maybe of a disgrace or a guilt. Or something that you've held and not told anybody about because of the shame. I want you to know that God can set you free from that this morning. If you're here this morning and you know you've been in emotional turmoil, I want you to know God to bring his peace to your life right now. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to be brave enough just to lift your hands right now. I'm going to pray. If that's you this morning, just lift your hands right now. I don't need to come out and lay hands on you. I don't need to come and prophesy over you. God can touch your life right now. So come on, let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, I thank you for these, your people. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God of the breakthrough. You are a God who never leaves us and never forsakes us. You are a God who knows us in our every moment of every day. And Father, I pray right now, I pray for breakthrough. Father, I pray for stigma to be broken over people's lives, whatever has held them, whatever chains have bound them. In the name of Jesus, right now, I break them off. Father, I pray for those who have suffered with such mental issues, Lord. For people who are struggling with anger or anxieties. For those who are feeling alone and abandoned. 
Father, I pray right now You would touch their hearts and bring freedom today. Father, just touch lives to the Holy Spirit. Come even now and breathe upon people. Let people be set free today. Let them know Your goodness. Let them know Your presence because where Your presence is, there is power and there is power here right now. Power to break chains. Come on, you just need to press in. If that's you this morning, just take a moment and say, Lord, I'm free of this. I'm free of that stigma. I'm free of the turmoil and the thoughts that have kept me awake at night. I'm free of thinking less of myself because you think so much of me. You bought me with a precious price, Jesus. You went to a cross where your body was broken and your blood was shed. Right now, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you never prayed a prayer, you've never taken a moment like this just to submit your life we're going to pray a prayer and we'll all pray you'll pray it after me and in that moment if you knew that you prayed that prayer and it was from your heart when I ask you and say hey was that you today could you lift a hand and say I prayed that prayer I want to encourage you to do that because we will celebrate with you so repeat this prayer after me Lord Jesus I thank you that you love me thank you you gave your life for me and today I turn from my sin and I embrace my new life you are my Lord and my Saviour and from this moment my life is yours and you are mine Amen hey if you prayed that prayer this morning right now just slip your hand and say that was me this morning I prayed that prayer I might not be able to see you but somebody will come on if you prayed that prayer this morning just lift your hand right now come on we want to celebrate with you Come on, let's put our hands together and celebrate for those who prayed this morning. So, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health even as your soul prospers.